0: Welcome to Life Tree Community Church. So good to see everybody. I'm Pastor Dan, if you don't know, and honored to have you with us. First of all, just need to say congratulations. You all figured out the time change. Come on, give yourselves a hand. That's impressive. You're the, you're the ones that set your clocks right. You got here on time. And I will encourage you, watch the doors in about 30 minutes to see who did not remember. Because we may have some people come in and we will, not, we will not embarrass them. Maybe a little, but not too much. So, uh, but congratulations, you made it. Second one, I invite you to take out your program, which you should have received when you came in today. Everybody should have got a program. If you didn't get a program, please raise your hands. Our ushers will make sure that you get it. All right, right, keep your hands up and they'll come get you. So in the program is a connection card. Uh, keep the hands up, they're, they're coming to you is a connection card. If everybody can take that out right now, just take out the connection card and invite you to fill that out. If you're a regular attender at LifeTree, you know you just need to do your name. If you're a first-time guest, welcome. Thank you. And invite you to fill that out as well. We'll collect those later. You can put a prayer request on there, anything you need. If you want more information about anything, you can do that. Um, So, now, invite you to turn to Acts chapter 9. We're going to be... read in there in just a few minutes. If you don't, and then the Bible's there. If you don't uh, want to turn the Bibles, it'll be on the screen as well. As you're turning there, just let you know that uh, I'm in the, in the middle of, as part of a pastor, I do a lot of things in, in, in the course of a week. One of the things that I get to do is uh, I get to do weddings. I, I do a lot of weddings, and right now I've got two in the queue. Um, so a lot, a, lot of, a lot of things going on, and part of the deal with weddings um, is that I get to do premarital counseling. Um, so premarital counseling means I, I meet with the couples. I, I, I mandate that if I'm going to do the wedding, you've got to meet with me uh, just for about four sessions usually, and we talk about them and their relationship and their history. And, and it's, it's a lot of fun, um, and I enjoy it. And in one of the sessions, what we do is we, we do this session on exploring differences. So if anybody's married, you understand that you did not marry your clone. Like... There's some differences. Even if you think you married somebody who's like you, chances are there's going to be some differences. Um, And one in particular is we address the area of how people understand social settings, right? For couples it can be different. Some are introverts, some are extroverts, right? That's sort of a a classic way of looking at it, Myers-Briggs assessments, things like that. one of the things that goes into determining if you're an introvert or an extrovert, and how many of you know, how many introverts in the room? You won't raise your hands. No, how many introverts in the room? There you go. How many extroverts? How many have no idea? Okay, there you go. Okay, so here we go. So introverts, it's, it's my definition, an introvert is someone who you are renewed by time alone. Doesn't mean you don't like people, but people wear you out. And when you just get, like, after a long day being people, you just want space. If that's you, you're probably an introvert. Extroverts, after a long day, they want to go be with people. They get energized by being with people. You are like, oh, I just love being with people. People, you know, get me, get me, you know, just mm, refill my tank. So now, how many introverts? How many extroverts? How many still don't know? Okay, (laughs) that's all right, that's all right. Um, Now, it depends on the day because it's not always that simple, right? So, and here's one of the things I think it's a qualifier. I'm an introvert, I think, most of the time. I, 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 I enjoy time alone, which is interesting in my profession. Um, but some social settings are energizing for me. Some social settings are energizing for me. Um, it depends on who's in the room. Anybody relate? Okay, okay, so now you're like, okay, that's me. That's me right there, right? When you're with your people, all right, it's all good. When you're people that are you know, maybe not your people, Right? So, I mean, I walk into Bed Bath & Beyond, I am empty in like less than five seconds. Not my people. I don't know what to do in that place. Right? You walk into Michael's, oh, all I smell potpourri and I'm like, I just start to shrivel from the inside. I don't know what to do with it. Right? You put me on a basketball court, I could stay there for hours. We could be here for days. We're probably all gonna be best friends by the end of it. Right? You just gotta know your place. There are social settings. Now, we all got that. We have social settings where you feel like you get energy and there are those where perhaps you try to avoid. Um, and sometimes it's just based on who's there, right? You say, um, we, we, we know we want to respect and honor everybody, right? We want, we wanna, we're, supposed to, we're supposed to love everybody, but there are some people that we try to avoid. If we know they're going to be there, um, we're probably going to choose not to go. I will not ask you to raise your hand for that one. Um, But there were lots of reasons that we choose to avoid certain people. Um, Some people just annoy us. Some people intimidate us. Some people drain us. Some people uh, trigger us. Yes, you understand. Like there is just certain people we try to avoid. And it's an area for growth for most of us. We're supposed to love everybody, right? But we're just not there yet. Like we know these things. Um, Last week we introduced this concept we called holy nonsense, right? Holy nonsense, there you go. And uh, this idea that there are times where God's going to prompt you to do something uh, that seems like nonsense to you, um, but it would certainly uh, be considered nonsense to everybody else, but it's not necessarily nonsense, right? Except for the fact that God directed it, right? There are times where you're like, this is, this is, I, I don't know what to do with this, except for the fact that I feel like God telling me to do this. Holy nonsense, we said, is God's preferred method for acting in powerful ways in this world because it's so obvious um, that it's ridiculous, that it can only be God. He says, I want to choose these foolish things in the world to confound the wise, right? And that there's no room for anybody to take credit uh, because it's so foolish. It has to be, has to be God. Um, God chooses these things. So God tells Moses to hit a rock with a stick to make water come out for people. Holy nonsense. What are you doing? That's ridiculous. right, so this week we're going to turn our attention to another story, another incident where there's some holy nonsense. And uh, this time we're going to find out, all right, I'm sorry. If, if If your stomach clenches when I say this, just, it's, I'm sorry. God may prompt you to seek out people you would rather avoid. Mm, yep how quiet it is you see how you see that do you feel it oh it's gonna be good i promise you it will be good it will be good but yes it's going to be a little uncomfortable for a moment see god may actually prompt you to approach people that you would never on your own in a million years choose to engage and we're going to say now why would god ever do that why would he do that to me why would he send so first let's set up the story right some context we go back to first century Roman Empire okay let's go back in history Jesus has been crucified he's been resurrected and he's ascended to heaven so he's no longer on the scene Jesus is he's he's gone right and his followers are now spreading the good news about God they're teaching people about this new way of knowing God that it's not about a religion that it's about a relationship with God and as you can imagine the religious leaders who were in power whose power depended upon control and controlling the message they're not a fan of this right? It's bad for business. And there are these young people that grow up under these religious leaders who are idealistic and passionate about upholding those old traditional ways. We've got to hold to those ways that we've always been taught. And one of those young men was particularly notable. Uh, he had the best training, was about as, as qualified as you could get, was, was, a, uh, I mean, was a student of the religious leaders of that time, was smart, passionate. Um, and he had made it his personal mission to uphold the rightness of the way things had always been to stop the spread of these rogue followers of this man called Jesus. He's like totally against this. He says in his eyes, those people were doing damage to the cause of God. They need to be stopped. They're a stain on society, and he's working for God by taking them down. Do you understand? That's his perspective here. He was a menace for God, right? This is, this is what he was, and he, we're told that his singular mission was to destroy this newly forming thing called a church, right? That he would go from house to house, literally dragging people out of their houses. Men and women, didn't discriminate, and threw them all in prison. And uh, the religious leaders at that time had the right to imprison people for breaking religious laws. They had an agreement with the Romans. We can do this. And this young man was so devoted to this cause that while another young man named Stephen, we can read about was, uh, was, being, was teaching and was being uh, attacked for this. He was literally being stoned to death by the crowds who were like, stop this, because you're a rebel, you're doing damage to the cause of God. While they're stoning Stephen, this young man was holding their coats so they could throw better. Because, you know, it's hard to throw rocks when you've got a coat on. I mean, let's gotta loosen up, right? So his name was Saul. You've probably heard his name before. Um, uh, and he's likely named after the first king of Israel. Saul, um, and we're going to pick up his story, Acts chapter 9. So now you've got some background, we're going to pick up the story, so here we go. Acts chapter 9, verse 1, it'll be on the screen, it says this, Meanwhile, Saul was uttering threats with every breath and was eager to kill the Lord's followers. See, I told you, I guess Saul, he's a, he's a menace. So he went to the high priest and he requested letters addressed to the synagogues in Damascus asking for their cooperation in the arrest of any followers of the way he found there. And he wanted to bring them, both men and women, back to Jerusalem in chains. As he's approaching Damascus on this mission, a light from heaven suddenly shone down around him. It's interesting. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? I mean, this is, this is like not normal, right? Not normal, out of the ordinary. Verse 5, who are you, Lord? He asks, and if you notice, that's a lowercase. He's not saying Lord like God. He's saying, it's a term of respect. Like, I don't know who this is. This is obviously somebody with authority. Um, Who are you? And the voice replied, I am Jesus, the one you're persecuting. Now, just pause for a minute. Put yourself in, in Saul's place here. What's been the prevailing focus of your life up until this point? What have you been set on doing? Killing God's followers, throwing them in jail, defending God's Defending God by fighting people who, who align with this Jesus, right? And now in this moment, he's finding out that Jesus is God. And everything he's believed up until this point is literally being shattered. Like, it's mind-blowing. Can you imagine, like, everything you've ever believed, right, like, is actually the opposite. Like, he can't handle it. Now, let's keep reading, because Jesus keeps talking to him from heaven in this light. And he says, verse 6, Now, get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. The men with Saul stood speechless, for they heard the sound of someone's voice, but saw no one. So they're hearing something, but they don't hear words. They just hear noise. They hear a sound. And Saul, uh, Saul picks himself up off the ground, and when he opens his eyes, because the light, you know, Bright lights, if I shine a bright light, what do you do? You squint. So it's so bright, they said it was brighter than the sun, so bright, so he's got his eyes closed because it's like, ah, it's so bright, so he opens his eyes, can't see, can't see at all, right? He's blind. So his companions lead him by the hand to Damascus, which is the place that he was going to persecute the Christians to go get them. So now he's in this city, and he remained there blind for three days and doesn't eat or drink. Why don't you think he ate or drank? drank anything. Why do you think? Probably because he was in shock, <laughs> right? Like, what, what is going on? This is a life-altering encounter, and he just can't function. He, he's absolutely, like, doesn't know what's going on. Now he's in a city where he's intended to hurt the followers of Jesus, but he's blind, he's confused, and he's processing it all. Like, okay, so understand, like, get a picture of what's happening here. Now, verse 10, it says, now there was a believer someone, a follower of Jesus named in Damascus named Ananias. And the Lord spoke to him in a vision and called, Ananias. Yes, Lord, he replied. And the Lord said, go over to Straight Street, to the house of Judas. When you get there, ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul. He is praying to me right now. I have shown him a vision of a man named Ananias coming in and laying hands on him so he can see again. Now, Ananias is a follower of Jesus, minding his own business, being a good man, doing what's right, and God speaks, and Ananias isn't flustered because he must have had a good relationship with God, that he's like, oh, this is awesome, God's speaking to me, yes, and he's used to talking to God, except now God tells him to do some nonsense. Tells him to do some nonsense, right? It's interesting, straight street, if you go back for a minute, straight street, verse 12, yep. No, or 11, I think it was 11, Straight Street, is actually still in Damascus. You can go there today and still see it. There's pictures online. It's actually still a road, so that's actually there. Okay, verse 13. But Lord, exclaimed Ananias, I've heard many people talk about the terrible things this man has done to the believers in Jerusalem. And he is authorized by the leading priests to arrest everyone who calls on your name. So here's the deal. He says, hold up, hold up right? You want me to go where and talk to who? Like, God, if there's one person on the face of the earth at this point in history that I would try to avoid, it's probably going to be that guy. And you're asking me to go to him? He's going to arrest me. Do you want me to suffer? Are you, you know, can you understand Ananias' response? Like if God told you, is there, think of one person Think of of one person in your life you would not want to talk to right now. Like you just, like if you saw them, and it could be because you're angry at them. Again, it could be because you're afraid of them. It could be because they're so draining or whatever it might be. Whatever the thing is, who is that person? All right, that's what's happening here. But the Lord says to him, so Ananias is like, I don't want to go. And God says to him, that's nice, go. For Saul is my chosen instrument to take my message to the Gentiles, which is everybody who's not Jewish, and to kings as well as to the people of Israel. God listens to everything Ananias says and all his rationale for why he should avoid Saul. And God says, uh-huh, still go. Yeah, you're going to have to go. Um, I have a plan for him. He's part of our team. He's on the team. He's, got a, he's part of the mission. You got to go. So now we're going to find out what kind of man Ananias is. Right? What's, what's, and so here we go. Verse 17. Skip down one. Verse 17. So Ananias went. He goes. And he found Saul. And he laid his hands on him and he said, You no good, dirty, you know, nope, nope. He says, How dare you, you know, what you did to my cousin? Nope. He says, Brother. Brother. Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road has sent me so that you might regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And instantly something like scales, it says, fell from Saul's eyes and he regained his sight and he got up and he was baptized. And afterward he ate some food and regained his strength and he stayed with the believers in Damascus for a few days. Brother Saul, brother Saul. The first word Ananias says to him communicates love. Whoever you were, he says, you are now my brother, and I accept you. And he put his hands on Saul, and he prayed for him, and Saul was healed, and Saul was changed, and he got baptized. Listen, baptism is a public thing, you know this, so he was going down in front of people. People know who Saul is. He's got a reputation. Listen, he's in a, he's in a city he's never been in before. And a guy named Ananias, who's nobody of consequence, we never hear about him again. Ananias knew about Saul from Jerusalem. Saul has a reputation. He's popular. He's known. And he goes out to a river to get baptized in front of people. This is a life-changing experience for him. And that wasn't at all. Verse 20 says, immediately now, he began, Saul began preaching about Jesus in the synagogues. So he goes to now the synagogues, the Jewish places, the places where he used to go to drag people out. He's now there saying, he is indeed the son of God. And all who heard him were, understandably, amazed. Isn't this the same man who caused such devastation among Jesus' followers in Jerusalem, they asked? And didn't he come here to arrest them and take them in chains to the priests? Saul's preaching became more and more powerful and the Jews in Damascus couldn't refute his proofs that Jesus was indeed the Messiah. I mean, this was wild. It's such a wild, one of the most dramatic turnarounds of all the stories in Scripture. We know Saul, obviously, by his Roman name. Saul was his Jewish name, his Roman name, Paul. And he would go on to become one of the most influential leaders of the early church. He'd write 13 books that are now included in the New Testament. He brought the news of Jesus to much of the developed world. And a huge part of his story, a huge part of Paul's story, was holy nonsense. Holy nonsense God prompted a guy named Ananias to go to someone he would have preferred to avoid. Ananias didn't know about the experience on the road. Ananias is sitting in his house, and he doesn't know that a bright light is shining down on this guy. He doesn't know that. He doesn't know about a voice and a light from heaven. All he knows is that Saul hates followers of the way, which is a really cool way of talking about the church. They called them the way. Like This is the way, right? Come on, this is awesome, right? And God says, go. So he went. Now I want to go back to one small line in this story. This isn't just about Ananias being such a good guy. There's another piece here that God reveals to Ananias that I think is, is critical for our understanding today. Because if God just says to you, go to somebody that you don't want to go to, odds are you're not going to do it. As much as we understand and we know that we should, we probably won't. Because we don't understand enough of the picture and we're just like, no, I hate them. No, I'm afraid of them. No, I don't want to. They don't deserve it. I don't want to deal with it, God. So there's one thing here that I think changes it for us. And it's in verse 11. If we can go back to verse 11, the Lord says this again. Go over to Straight Street to the house of Judas. And that wasn't the same Judas. Um, just a guy named Jesus and says when you get there, ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul. And what does the last sentence say? He is praying to me right now. He is praying to me right now. See, in the middle of his bewilderment, Saul, remember Saul, right? He's in a corner. I, I imagine him in the fetal position, right? He's curled up. He just saw this light. His whole world is shattered. His mind can't process it. Not eating, not drinking. He can't see. He's just his friends who brought him there. Like I don't know what happened to this dude. We saw a light. We heard some noises, and then we woke up, and he's like this. He's like shivering in a corner. He is absolutely a mess, right? And what do you think Saul would be praying for in that state of mind? He's praying for healing? I can't see. Understanding? What is happening here? Direction? What do I do next? Help? I'm all alone. He's just, what do you pray for in those moments? God, I, I don't even know where I am. You help. Help. See, Ananias was the answer to Saul's prayer. Through Ananias, God gave Saul all those things. Through Ananias, he puts his hand on him, and guess what, Ananias, Saul can see. And Ananias speaks, hey, the God who did this to you, he sent me to tell you that you're going to go. He gives him clarity and direction and understanding and he gives him healing and he gives him help because from that point forward, they begin to disciple Saul, now Paul. And he begins to be surrounded by the believers and he's baptized and he begins to to do life with them. Ananias was the answer to Saul's prayer. And here is the point. The holy nonsense that God prompts you to do may just be the answer to somebody else's. Not only that, it may be the answers to the prayer of someone you're trying to avoid. The holy nonsense God prompts you to do may be the answer to somebody else's prayer, and particularly the prayer of someone you're trying to avoid. And Here's the story. We have no idea what God is doing in their life right now. You don't see that. We don't get the benefit of seeing behind the scenes. We don't get the whole story. We have no idea. There are people we would never think of approaching, but right now God is at work in their lives revealing himself to them, and they're a mess. An absolute mess. You know they're a mess. You just don't know that they're a holy mess. You just know that they're a mess, and you're like, I don't want anything to do with them, but God is at work in their lives. I'm Believe that there's a timeliness to the message of God. So that must mean that right now, this week or in the coming weeks, that God is going to prompt you to engage them. That there's somebody right now really, really being wrecked by God in a really powerful, life-altering way. God's going to prompt you, and you're going to go, and you're going to be faced with a decision. You're going to be like Ananias, and you're going to go, but God. Them? Them? God, do you remember? They do this and this and this and this. Do you remember? They say this and this. They think this, and they do that, and they act this, and God, they've done this. God, them? And God's going to say, it's nonsense, just so we're clear. Going to people that we really don't want to go to is nonsense. It fits in that category. But if God says, do it, that makes it holy nonsense, which means, which means that God has got something going on. That's how God does it, that he's choosing to do it in ways we don't understand so that when it happens we don't take credit for it we don't go because I was such a good person and I went to this person they changed no it's so beyond the pale that when you when it actually happens you go only God only God I'm going to invite the band just to come back up and play in the background I just want to I want to ask you this, when you sense God leading you to go to someone, again, you're going to have a decision. Will you go to them? You have no idea what God is doing on the other side. There are moments in life God invites us to participate in his strange and mysterious ways. We get to be part of miraculous encounters. Here's the coolest part, ready? We get to be part of answered prayers. Not only that, you are the answer to somebody else's prayer. I don't know if you've ever thought of yourself that way. But just say this, with, say this right, you don't say it out loud, but th- say it like in your head. I am the answer to somebody else's prayer. Think about it. I am the answer to somebody else's prayer. Think about it for yourself right here. I am, we are the answer to somebody else's prayer. It's not just God, you do it, you don't need me. God says, no, I'm calling Ananias'. I'm calling you at home, all alone, by yourself, minding your own business. I want to send you to somebody that you'd really rather not go to. And if you'll be responsive to where God sends you and to who he sends you, here's what's going to happen. If you'll do it, if you'll say yes. God, because that's what holy nonsense is all about. It's about in those moments saying yes. Because we're faced with a decision yes or no. That's it. No, maybe, just yes or no. Delayed obedience is disobedience. So it's a yes or it's a no. In that moment, if you say yes, here's what happens you get to speak life into dying people, you get to speak hope into despairing people. You're going to watch as people who used to be like that now become like this. We never hear Ananias' name again. The only other time in Scripture he's referenced is when Paul retells the story. Let me tell you what Ananias didn't know when he responded in holy obedience to this holy nonsense. He had no idea that that man would go on to give the world treasures of wisdom and truth like this love is patient and love is kind love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude the whole love chapter that came from that shriveling mess named Saul I'm convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love neither death nor life nor angels or demons nor our fears for today or our worries about tomorrow not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love those words came from that shriveling mess named Saul. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, Paul. Our power works best in weakness. When we are weak, then he is strong, came from Paul. Do not grow weary in doing good because nothing you do for the Lord is ever in vain. If you've ever been encouraged by this stuff, then you thank Ananias for saying yes. We walk by faith and not by sight. God has not given us a spirit of fear but of power and of love and of a sound mind. All of those words came out of that shriveling mess all because Ananias said, yes. Ananias saw none of that. I don't know if he ever even knows that it ever happened. I don't know when Paul wrote those things. Ananias didn't see what happened. He didn't see what happened after. All he saw was that God said, do some nonsense, and he said, yes. And I have to imagine that just in that moment, even seeing Saul respond, even seeing the transformation that happened to him changed Ananias. We don't have this, we don't know, but for the rest of his life, I got to imagine Ananias saw people different. People that he would choose to avoid. Well, if God could change Saul, then God could maybe change this Roman centurion in front of me. This tax collector. And God can can change my... Brother-in-law, my son, my daughter. If God can do this, God can do anything. See, part of the work God is constantly doing in our lives is helping us develop a heart to see people the way he sees them. He doesn't see people with the same kind of baggage that we see. He sees it all, but he sees what they could be. Holy nonsense is part of God's inner transformation in our lives. When we say yes, it changes us. It's not just points for being obedient. but It's changing us. It's changing our heart. You may be the answer to somebody else's prayer. So here's where it gets real. We can talk about it. It's a great message. It's true. We're going to walk out of here and we're just going to shut that door again. We can do it. Are you willing to allow God to use you? Can God send you to people you'd rather avoid? So, it's, 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 this is one of those faith moments. We've said this is a year of awakening where God's going to open our mind to things going to present us with things and it's time to put our faith in action to not just say I believe in Jesus do you then live it faith without action is dead somewhere right now someone you know and would choose to avoid if you saw them they are crying out to God for help for hope for understanding for peace Light. God, would you help me understand? And God has given you everything they need. Isn't that sneaky? God says, I'm going to give everything that they need to you. I'm going to bury it in you. If you know God, then you know enough. And He's sending you, and you have no idea the impact their life will make on the world. You have no idea. All you see is, no, that, listen, this person is no Saul to Paul. The, this person can't be anything for the kingdom of God. I mean, it'd just be an act of compassion and pity, but I don't see potential in them. just want to remind you, God chooses the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. It's what he does, and he does it over and over again, so it's not our business deciding what God can and can't do. One day we're going to stand before the Lord. We're going to have to give account. We're going to say, God, I said either yes or no to you about that person. God, you told me to go to that person, and we're going to have to give an answer. Did we say yes or did we say no? And every day we answer a question. See, it brings us to this place. Every day we answer the question, who's in charge of my life? Me or God? Me or God. Only two options. Holy nonsense is that proving ground. Our willingness to engage in it declares, God, it's you. It's you. You're in charge. That's what whole when we engage in holy nonsense, that's what we're saying, God, you. So we're gonna pray. And if you choose to participate, I encourage you, invite God give you the courage to say yes to whoever he sends you to. So Let's take a moment and pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we pause right now and we reflect. Just take a moment. Before I even pray too much, just take a moment and you reflect on what we're saying right now. What is God saying to you in this moment? Is he putting somebody on your heart already? I believe that's probably happening. There's probably some of you who are already got somebody in mind. God is already there working in their life. He's getting ready to activate the answer to his prayer. The answer to her prayer. And it's you. God, believe that you're calling us to action, to put our faith in action, to not just say we believe these things, to not just say you're good and loving and kind and gracious, but to recognize that we are part of your grace and your kindness and your goodness, that our action, our our obedience to the, the nonsense that you prompt us to do is part of your revealing yourself. You do not act independent of us. You plant yourself in us. You bury yourself. That's what it means, that you live in us, that we become your hands, your feet, your voice. Or there are people all throughout this area, throughout the world, that are connected to us in some way, that are praying to you right now. Lord, and I pray for those people right now. I pray that they would continue to seek you, that the enemy would not would not discourage them. Lord, in their confusion, in their wondering, in their Lord, in their in their darkness, in their despair. They've made the greatest decision of their life, and that's to turn to you. And now it's our turn. Now it's our turn. So God, I ask that we be responsive. Let us not drop the ball. would we do our part? So if you're here and you're willing to say, God, I'll let you. I'll invite you, I will be open. you can use me. God it's scary. It's not something I, I'm eager to do but it's something I trust you for and I believe it it matters. If you're willing to say yes, God, you can use me. Send me to somebody. Would you just raise your hand? Between you and God, I'm not even looking. Just between you and God, would you just raise your hand and say, God, I want to say yes to you. God, we want to say yes to you. God, you see our hands, you see our willingness. Lord, do your work in us continue to cultivate in us a heart of compassion for those around us lead us to people who need you and let us never forget that there was a time when someone came to us when we were in a dark corner and in need you sent someone to us and they said yes even if they were trying to avoid us because we were annoying and we were draining and we were a mess Give us compassion for our brothers and sisters around the world who need you. Lord, we commit ourselves to you. Lord, today is just a day of. Lord, a day of agreement. We say yes. We say yes. I thank you. We commit ourselves to you. It's in your good name we pray.